0: the following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We do welcome our online listeners. We have a very special message that we're going to be delivering uh, today. It is on the identity of Jesus. And the best way to find out what identity means is by typically looking at the titles and definitions. And so many people talk about the identity that we have in Christ Jesus. But rarely do you hear, at least rarely do I hear, about the identity of Jesus Christ. And where did he get this identity? Now, odd that it is, to Americans anyway, I could speak to the people and and do through the podcast, of course, but speak to the people in Israel and they're actually going to get what I'm saying, is that identity actually comes from a father. See, in America, young men grow up and they decide what they're going to do. And it's typically a reaction against what the father is doing. And in countries like Israel, at least the Orthodox uh, Jewish people, they receive the identity for function from their father. So many times, if not most of the times, they, they work with their son and they train up their son to adopt the definitions of what it is they're supposed to be doing in work from their fathers. Now I'm just going to give you a little a little teaser before I actually get into the names and the titles of Jesus Christ, which came from his Father. But I'm going to give you a little teaser. And the teaser is in the form of a question, so therefore I ask you what did Jesus do for a living? It's Not a trick question. He's got some kind of spiritual (laughs) message in this question. He was a carpenter. Someone please tell me the quick version of the bitter waters and what was asked of Moses and Joshua. What was asked of them to get rid of these bitter waters because the people were dying of thirst? What's that? God told Moses and Joshua to pick up the tree laying by the water and throw it into the water. Because they actually got violently sick when they came upon the water. They all started, you know, drinking. We're talking a million plus people here. For sure, 600,000 that, you know, came out of the out of Egypt and, you know, were on this journey. And they were dying of thirst. And they came upon the, this lake. And they're just taking the water in. And they're starting to throw up. They're violently sick. And so Moses is complaining to God, saying, why did you lead us to bitter waters? For example, Mary's name means bitter water. So to have the lake, Meramar, meaning bitter water, I actually I think it translates out in the Hebrew as bitter drinking water, is no accident. To have Jesus' mother's name, Bitter Water, is of no accident. You see, when they would name children back in those times, they named them because of the description associated with the name. We don't do that anymore. People don't look at me and say, crowned one, even though my mother often said, I'm going to crown you. But that's not how we look at people today. We don't look at them for their definition. We look at them because of them being called John or Mark or Mary or Cindy or whatever. That's kind of how we look at it. It's just a name. No. That's why I wanted you guys to listen to the songs that we played this morning. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to show you in that one simple title of Jesus where all these titles came from I pray that this is going to be the one of the most significant messages you have heard in a very long time so as Moses and Joshua picked up that, that tree branch and tossed it into the water and instantly the bitter water became as the story goes what? sweet so God had to tell Moses and Joshua it's okay for the people to drink and they, they were just thrown up moments ago. I think they probably were a little hesitant. So Moses scoops up some water and realizes the waters are sweet. That wood is the same name in the Hebrew that is used for Jesus that wood is the same wood that they carved out the cross that he was hung on. That wood is the same wood that he probably used as a carpenter since he was a young lad. Nothing is accident in the laying out of the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way from Genesis. There is accident Power in the name and even hearing the name of Jesus. Power comes from authority. There is no other connection to this word. I've researched it backwards and forward from the Hebrew, even from the Greek, but mostly from the Hebrew, and that there is no other connection to the word of power outside of authority. It is what stands forth, what comes forth, what pours out of authority. Plain and simple. There is no power if there is no authority. So therefore, for Satan to get rid of the power of Jesus Christ in the community is to completely remove the emphasis from the living God of authority. And then it's gone. Therefore, the name of Jesus just becomes a name. In fact, there's a movement out there that I stand against to this very hour of not using the name of Jesus in prayer. There's a movement out there that many of my Exchange Life friends use that I don't say much to them because it insults them that they use the name of the Father. They talk about the Father, my relationship with the Father, They talk about the father and the father telling me. Or they talk about, I'll go talk to the father about that. They even refer to the father as like daddy. You say, well, isn't that what Jesus referred to his father as Abba Father? Dada and father. Yeah, but you're not including the father part. The father is authority. Dada is intimate in relationship. Slowly but for for sure, the name of Jesus is being removed from our society today. So that's why I think this is a very special message for those of you who've replaced Jesus. Jesus is your husband. He's your groom. You don't bypass your husband and have a special conversation with the father. Are you with me? But it is the most common habit that women have today in marriages is they just simply bypass their husbands. And they listen to the authority of some guy on the radio or some guy on the internet or some someone outside of the, their groom. You say, well, I have a husband who's disobedient to the word. What would Peter tell the ladies to do? Go find another leader? Let me be your husband for your husband. Now he said, go back home and win them without a word. Keep your mouth shut and honor his position as your groom. Unheard of today. What you see that is going to happen in the church is exactly what we see in marriages. Mouthy Christians constantly shouting out their opinions and they're dishonoring the groom. I will not replace my groom even with his father. His father has spent many, many, many generations passing on who he is as the father and giving it to his son as a gift so that the emphasis will be upon Jesus well Jesus means authority the name Jesus Savior from the Greek anyway it is the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament now is that an accident I don't think so It is given to our Lord because he saves his people from their sins. You see, he saves the people from the bitter waters. But see, he wanted them to taste the bitter waters. He wanted them to. So that God could tell Moses to throw the wood, it was going to be the power of, demonstrated through the wood that is going to make the water sweet. It was the earliest demonstration of a father and a son, Moses representing God, Joshua representing Jesus. Together the two of them throw this wood into the water and, it, and the waters become sweet. We have a sweet relationship with Jesus Christ today because the Father and the Son demonstrated this powerful act of throwing the wood into the pit of hell. But we wear it like necklaces, earrings, t-shirts. We throw around the power of the cross like it is some kind of fashion statement and not realize that it is the very cross itself that all of this sin drained from Jesus' body because he became sin on our behalf. It drained out, all of that bled out onto the cross. And the cross absorbed the blood of Jesus and redemption was provided for its people. Christ is the all-powerful Lord. Nothing is beyond his reach or impossible for him. Jesus was at the beginning of creation and will be there at the end. He is both the author of all that is and the one who sees his creation through the end times. Christ is the beloved son of the Father, and as such, the desire of all people who love God. To truly love God, you're actually communicating that you love Jesus Christ. And if Satan knows that the primary goal for him, for a depraved society, is to remove the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, there's a movement that is is already occurring that is going to be sweeping the world even more, and that is referring to God the Father directly and ignoring your groom. There's power in the name of Jesus. He is your groom, your husband, for a reason. That is where your power to live dwells. Jesus is the offshoot of the line of David, and it's paradoxically also the very root. He is the root of David. He is the vine on which we depend for life and spiritual nourishment. He was born in Bethlehem. Get this, this is, this is common for some people who study the word, but for those of you who are kind of new to it, this is rather profound what I'm about to say. He was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. But the difference is he was the unleavened bread of life, which would mean translated out accurately as Bethlehem without sin. So since Bethlehem actually is the house of bread, Jesus is the bread of, he himself called himself the bread of life. The fact is, he never had sin in his mortal body. He had opportunities to sin, but he never had sin in his mortal body until he was hung on the cross. Then he literally became sin on our behalf. He became that defiled bread that had yeast in it. Jesus was the unleavened bread of life. The very place he was born was laid out by God. Jesus is our groom and he is head of her, the church, us. He's the brightest star in the heavens and literally the light of the world. Jesus was the creator of wood. This is what I was trying to communicate earlier with Moses. Jesus was the creator of wood. Hebrew, it means hook. So wood means hook. Became a worker of wood the hook and died on the cross made of wood, which is the hook of man. They tried to hook him. Satan tried to hook him and did hook him. Satan really truly thought he was going to have the success on that day. And that's why I wanted to put that piece in that video clip of our video today is when Satan was shouting at God because he realized this was the day of defeat for him not the day of victory. He thought this hook of the cross which was going to literally bind him to this wood he was going to find his victory. It's the day he lost. His day of loss is not when he's put into the pit. For a thousand years coming up here. This is the day he lost. The power of his own name. So it literally is symbolic of dying on what man used to trap Jesus. It was a complete trap. But if there's anything that's that's annoying for someone who's a control freak, is once they accomplish the control. That they realized that this was all a part of their own despair. It was planned out. And they are the ones that were trapped by a pre-existing plan. That's what Satan was faced with that day. He was literally marching in the footprints pre-laid out by the living God. Jesus is our door. Hebrew it means reveal the pathway of authority. And that is literally those of you who understand pictorial hebrew a little bit it means through the cross the actual picture in hebrew is a cross he had no beginning and he had no end the cross was the end of his humanity but the beginning literally for us the beginning of our eternity So the cross was to end his humanity and to start our non-humanity. You with me? That's the power of this moment. When he took that last breath, as Andrew Peterson was singing about, when he took that last breath, there was an exchange that took place for the entire world. And that's why the entire world had to go dark for a moment and then that light had to shoot forth in the valley. It was an obvious statement of going from what is finished for him is the beginning for us. Christ is the firstborn of the dead, the firstfruits of new life, resurrected in a new form. Since terms define identity, if I was to say to you or ask you, what is the identity That your flesh carries. How are you going to answer me? You see what's happening is you're having to reach in there. And you're having to find definitions. So if I talk about sins I'm carrying on from my father. And someone asks, well what are those? What does that look like? We need to understand that terms literally define ident a t what has made the biggest dent in your life and those details literally begin to reveal who the person is and how they function so we're going to review some of the terms that Jesus's father bestowed upon him even before the foundation of the earth and let's take a look at some of those identity statements Jesus literally was the advocate. One John two one. He is the Almighty. Revelation one eighteen one eight. He's the Alpha and Omega. Revelation one eight. He's the Amen. He is literally one of his names and titles that was put upon on him by his father before the cross was. You're the conclusion. This, you're, you're the finished product. It is finished through you. The great I, amen. He is the anointed, Psalms 2.2. 2. He's the apostle, Hebrews 3.1. He is the arm of God. The arm of God is a Hebrew word picture, if you remember, Ian. It is a Hebrew letter of God. The arm of God is, is the strength of the Almighty. It is where the work is accomplished from the Father. He is the Apostle, Hebrews 3.1. He's the author and perfecter of the faith, Hebrews 12.2. He is the beginning and the end, which is the Alpha and the Omega again. He is literally the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. He's the branch. Now what is a branch connected to? The trunk. Or in a vineyard setting, the branch is connected to the vine. vine. So you have a vine, you have a branch. What good are they if the vine is not receiving something? Sap. Sap. The sap is the Holy Spirit, it's the life juice you have the, the vine itself, which is literally symbolic of the life of the Father. You have this branch coming off that's connected to this vine. Jesus is also referred to, as we're going to see here toward the end of our list, that he is the vine because he's the Father. Jesus referred to himself as a Father a couple of times. But yet he had this Father and still does have this Father. When you see these repetitive titles that God himself has that's being given over to Jesus, he's being set up to literally openly embrace all the titles of the living God. The Father is giving everything who he is, every definition of who he is to his Son. So Jesus is the bridegroom, Matthew nine fifteen. Jesus is the bride and morning star, Revelation 22, 6. He's the captain of salvation, which means the authority, above authorities, of salvation. He's the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5, 4. He's the chief cornerstone, and just think about the cornerstone on a building. If you don't know anything about cornerstones, particularly in the older style structures of buildings, the entire weight of that building rests on that cornerstone. Many of you in discipleship, you know I use this illustration called the corner post. And that corner post is where you tie on the barbed wire And you pull from both directions, and if you do not have a solid corner post, then your whole fence is vulnerable. So that corner post becomes the most significant and needs to be the most stable post of every post around that property. That's the cornerstone and the illustration that God the Father is giving to his son here. He's the child. No other way to say it. He's the child. And that's Isaiah 9.6. He's the chosen one of God. 1 Peter 2.4 He's Christ of God. He's the Messiah for God. He is the Messiah, the great leader for his own father. Who is the great leader? There's a paradox being presented to us here. Most of you sons are growing up in your homes and your father could be a carpenter, your father could be a businessman, your father could be a a local merchant or whatever. You're not going to follow what your daddy does. You're going to go find your own thing and you're going to start a brand new generation all over again. There's no generational blessings being passed to you to carry on because you have to do your own thing you cannot accept your Father's identity. If Jesus acted like that, we wouldn't be sitting in our fellowships today enjoying the rich blessings of the indwelling preaching of Jesus Christ. So for you to inherit and adopt and function in the identity of Jesus, today, to our listeners, no matter what country you're in, no matter what culture that you're living in, I say forget it. It's your religion is worthless. Your Christianity is worthless. Cuz you can talk identity in Jesus Christ and grace all you want. But unless you're willing to carry out the identity of Jesus cuz he's your authority, Unless Jesus is willing to carry out the identity of his Father because his Father is his authority, your religion's worthless. I don't listen much to you guys or gals, particularly guys, that talk about their Savior as their Father and ignore Jesus, their groom. Not buying it. It means you have an authority problem. Everything I'm reading you is from the scriptures. So I'm giving you 186. And every single one of these titles carry power and authority. Every one of them. And they came from the Father to the Son. So the Son would demonstrate this so that we could have a relationship with Him. With Him. Not just the Father. With Him as our groom. Christ is the power of God, 1 Corinthians one twenty four. Christ is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1 twenty four. Christ is truly the Son of God, Acts 9.20. Contrary to what you Muslims believe, you have put our great husband, you have put our groom, you have put our Savior in the category of being a great prophet. To that I say, thank you. This Issa that you're talking about is not our Jesus. In fact, those Muslims that are listening, I need to tell you something. History proves that you're the one that crucified our Christ. And I know what your religious beliefs believe. And that is Jesus did not die on the cross. But the Father took him up. You've literally cut out the most significant part that makes salvation possible for us, for you. Your Issa is not our Jesus. Our Jesus' mission from the beginning was to be tortured, was to be cruelly mistreated by the other brother. Now see, most of you have been trained that Muhammad is the one that started your religion. Because he's your great prophet. Those of you who are imams and those of you who are higher in the order of the Muslim faith, the Islamic nation, know that your history goes all the way back to Adam, who is your first prophet. You also know that these prophets that have been given to you through the generations lead up to this moment of the crucifixion. It didn't start after your Muhammad was born. Your race has gone all the way back to Ishmael. And Ishmael hates Isaac. And Ishmael and Isaac, Isaac is the bloodline that our Jesus claims to be rooted in. Your Ishmael are the very people surrounding that cross. You'd be more familiar with the term Romans that crucified our Savior. So the simple facts are this is a divide, the great divide of the two brothers that we are talking about here. Christ Jesus is the son of the blessed, Mark fourteen sixty one. He is the covenant of the people. A covenant means it's kind of like when we were little guys that we would cut ourselves, we would put our blood together, and we would mix our blood, and we were called what? Blood brothers. Blood brothers. Supposedly my blood got in your bloodstream, and your blood got in my bloodstream, and we literally shared the same identity. That's supposedly what the concept of blood brothers means. That's what happened with us, with Jesus Christ. He shed His blood for us. We adopted His identity. There's identity in the blood, as we learn in the Old Testament. We are, that, that identity was poured out over us so that we literally can be called the bride of Christ. Daystar, Jesus is the day star, Second Peter uh, chapter one, verse nineteen. He is the deliverer, Romans eleven twenty-six. He is the door, John ten seven. He is the elect, Isaiah forty-two, one. He's the everlasting father. So here's our paradox again. I thought he was the son. Imam contacts say to me, Will you guys make up your mind? Was he the father or was he the son? This is why we don't believe you. If you do not understand the issue of authority in a father passing his identity onto his son, you'll never get this. And you Muslims know specifically what I'm talking about when the father passes identity down to his son. And his son must become a murderer of Jews and Christians before he's 10 years of age. He must adopt everything about who you are as a Muslim father to this son. So why do you see 10-year-olds carrying around rifles or knives and not afraid to cut off the heads of an infidel? Because they have fully adopted the identity of their father. To that I say to you Muslims, well done. Because most Christian families can't even live that one out. We are hypocrites, you're right. But there's a handful of us Indwelt Christians that are not. We truly believe in these teachings of an Indwelt Christian father passing on his heritage spiritually, psychologically, and physically to his son. He is the faithful and true one, Revelation 19.11. He is the first and the last, Revelation 1.17. He is the first begotten, means the first to arrive on the scene. Hebrews 1.6. He is the first begotten of the dead. He is the very first one. Think of this. Whoever is in first place, according to Hebrew, has what? Jesus said it perfectly. Authority. The first Adam gave him authority over all men. The second Adam gave authority over the first Adam. Over all men. First place always gives you the authority that needs to be passed down to you. So the firstborn, first begotten, first begotten of the dead, he was the first dead man that provided real life. He's the Savior. He is the fountain, Zechariah thirteen one. He's friend to the sinners, Matthew 11.19. He's the gift of God, John 4.10. He's the glory of Israel, Luke two. 32, glory of Israel, is kind of like putting a huge radiant light behind the hill of Jerusalem. That's why in our video, when I did the video enhancement, every time that we showed the image of Christ, I put this radiant light behind him. He's the glory. He's what shines forth over Israel. He is God, John four ten, and I know that messes with some of you Muslim. Jesus is not only the Son of God, Jesus is God. John 4 10. Jesus is the is the God blessed forever. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3 16. Jesus is the God the Savior, Isaiah 45, 15. Jesus is God of the earth, Isaiah 54, 5. He is the good shepherd, Matthew 19, 16. He's the governor, Matthew 2, 6. He's the great shepherd, Hebrews 13, 20. He's the head of the church, the bride of Christ, his bride, Ephesians 1, 22. He is the high priest, Hebrews 4, 14. You know, in that movie that that we put together for today. And you see the Pharisees standing there. And they're looking up at the the Holy of Holy room. And the earthquake literally divided the temple. And he puts his hands to his face in kind of despair and panic. Oh my God, oh my God, The the Holy of Holies has been exposed. The odds are that the Ark of the Covenant has not been found since that moment because it probably fell through the crack of of the earth. God literally was eliminating a physical peace structure that they were to look to for the presence of God and wanted them to turn their attention to someone fill in the blank. Jesus Christ is complete. Complete and receiving, stay with me on this, particularly you Muslims, stay with me. When that temple cracked, those high priests were looking into that room and nothing was there. God literally wanted the entire world, past, present, and future, to look to his son, who now is God, which means Father. That title of Jesus becoming our Father became real that moment. And those rebel intellectuals, like some of you out there listening right now, you refuse to transfer your loyalty to your husband. Jesus Christ. And you still refer to the Father in your talking, your sharing, your laughing, your caring and your ignoring the greatest exchange and transition of putting your loyalty on your groom. That's because you hate authority. Jesus is the head of the corner, that cornerstone. He is the solid foundation. Matthew twenty. 1.42. 142. Jesus is holy one of Israel. Isaiah 41:14. The holy thing. Luke 1:35. He is the horn of salvation, the announcement, he the trumpet of salvation. He's not just salvation, he is what shouts out. I join you in that, Jesus. He is the I am, the great I am. John 8:58. He is literally the image of God, Hebrews one three. He is literally Israel, Isaiah forty nine three. He's the Judge, Acts ten forty two. He's the just man, Matthew twenty seven nineteen. He is the King of Saints. Us. We're the saints. We're the Bride of Christ, Revelation fifteen three. You know who decides who's going to be a saint. I'm going to offend some people here and I'm sure glad I am. My number is 602-292-2982. My email address is Dr.finney at iomamerica.org and I want you to contact me. Many of you are so faithful in insulting me and I appreciate that because I'm about to say something that's going to rattle the cages of some of our listeners. The Catholic Church is the most demonic religious system in the entire world. They are thieves who have stolen church history. They've revised things from like today, whom our little fellowship calls Resurrection Day, which their church or church, if you're listening as a Catholic, renamed it as Easter. If you do just a little research on Easter, you're going to be shocked by the whoredom that you find with that word. Who has named our saints through the generations? Someone please tell me. The Catholic Church. The Catholic Church canonizes certain people they believe have earned the right through their performance, through their service to the church, the Catholic Church on whether they shall be called a saint. I'm telling you here today, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Jew, whether you're Protestant, whatever that means, because it originally meant protester. So whatever you are, I'm here to tell you that it is Jesus Christ that makes us a saint upon the moment you are born again and indwelt by the life of Jesus Christ. When my granddaughter got saved this past week, On that moment, she was finished with the prayer, she became a saint. We don't need a church to canonize who's going to carry sainthood into eternity. So he's the king of saints. He's the king of glory, Psalms 24, 7 through 10. He's the king of Zion, the city, the great city, the holy city that is yet to come. Matthew twenty-one, five. He's the king over the earth. Zechariah 14.9 He's the lamb of God which means he's the sacrifice. John 1.29 He's the life. John 14.6 He's the living bread. And that living bread is without yeast. Yeast in the Old Testament means sin. And I know that might be a bit of a shock to some of you. But that's what it means. He's the living unleavened bread. John six fifty one. He's the living stone, one Peter two four. He's the lion of Judah, Revelation five, five. He's the Lord of all, Acts ten thirty-six. He's the Lord of righteousness, Jeremiah twenty-three, six. He's Lord God Almighty, Revelation fifteen three. He's Lord of heaven. Lord means. Owner. Whenever you hear the word Lord spoken, or you read the word Lord, it means owner. So he's the owner of righteousness. He's the owner, God Almighty, Revelation fifteen three. He's the owner of heaven, one Corinthians fifteen forty seven. He's the owner, Lord of glory, James two one. He's Lord, owner of hosts, mean every single being. Demonic angelic sinner going to hell or sinner saved and redeemed going to heaven he's the owner of all he is the owner mighty in battle he owns all these battles he's the lord or owner of the living and the dead Romans fourteen nine. he's the lord or owner of the sabbath it's his sabbath we have the sabbath because of him Mark two twenty eight. He is the owner over all. There is nothing, nothing that you can see, touch, smell, or hear that He does not own. He is Lord or Holy Owner. He is the Lord or owner of the Holy One, and He is the Holy One. Isaiah forty three fifteen. He is the Lord the Redeemer, Isaiah forty three, fourteen. He's the master, Matthew twenty three eight. He's the messenger of covenant, the promise, Malachi three one. He is the uh, Messiah and the prince, Daniel nine twenty five. He's the mighty God, Isaiah nine six. He's the mighty one of Israel, Isaiah thirty twenty nine. He's the mighty one of Jacob, Isaiah forty nine twenty six. He's the mighty one who saves Isaiah sixty three one. He is the morning star, Revelation twenty two six. He is the Nazarene, Matthew two twenty three. He's the only wise God and Savior, Jude one twenty five. He's the overseer one Peter two twenty five. He is literally the power of God, one Corinthians one twenty four. He's the great physician. Matthew nine twelve comes under the title of Jehovah Rapha the God who heals. He's the precious cornerstone, Isaiah twenty eight, sixteen. He's the priest Hebrews seven seventeen. He's the prince, Acts five, thirty one. He's the prince of life Acts three fifteen. He's the prophet, Deuteronomy eighteen, fifteen, and he's literally the perpetuation. Which is one John two two. He's our rabbi, John one forty nine. He's the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. He is redemption, one Corinthians one thirty. He is righteous the righteous branch, Jeremiah twenty three, fifteen. He's the righteous judge, second Timothy four, eight. He is the believer's righteousness. One Corinthians one thirty. He's the rock of offense, offense, not defense. He's the rock of offense. One Peter two eight. He's the root of David. Revelation five five. He's the root of Jesse, his daddy. Isaiah eleven ten. He's the rose of Sharon. Song of Songs two one. He's the ruler of Israel. Micah five two He is salvation Luke two thirty. He is our sanctification in salvation one Corinthians one thirty. He's the second Adam one Corinthians fifteen forty seven. He's the great servant, the perfect model as servant Isaiah forty two. He's the shepherd of our souls, duh one Peter two twenty five. He's the shepherd of Israel Psalms eighty one. He's the Son of the Father. Listen carefully, Muslims. He is literally the Son of the Father. Second John one three. He's the son of the Blessed One, Mark fourteen sixty one. He is the star Numbers twenty four seventeen. He is the son of righteousness, Malachi four two. He is the stone. You pick the strongest stones to be the cornerstone. So they won't crumble. We have here a husband who cannot crumble. He is the sure foundation, Isaiah 28:16. He is our teacher, John three twelve. He is true, the true God, one John five twenty. He is the true vine. So as we talked about him being the branch, He is also the vine. He becomes the father. He becomes the vine. He was and is the branch. Who are we? What happens when you get married? You ladies get married to your husband? you graft yourself to your husband, you become one flesh. This is what's being communicated here. You think your marriage is all about your marriage and you being happy and you being in control and you having all the fine things you are working for and whatever. It is fruitless. It is hopeless. It is going to end in divorce. For sure, psychological divorce. Unless you understand the true meaning and purpose of marriage. It is to re-communicate these truths that we are learning today. When you got married, you became one with your husband. You adopted his name. You, your blood lineage, literally got mixed with his, and you started having children, which is a blending of those two bloodlines, and so forth and so on, so that your children that you are holding and that you're walking with and talking with are literally the one flesh. That came from that binding of two. Jesus himself had to go through that with his father. So he could offer it to us. So he could say now you're the branch. I'm the vine. Whatever is true about me. Is true about you. I know not one branch. In a vineyard that's from a maple tree that is attached to a vine that produces wine of Lebanon, which is one of his names. I know not. The branch works with the vine because they are one. The sap that comes up through a vine works well with a vine and a branch to produce grapes because they all are one. So you Muslims that have a hard time understanding that the vine, the branch, and the grapes are all one, you're just not thinking it through. This is how we're able to claim actually adopt the claim of Jesus saying that I and my father are one plant. Yes, Jesus is the true vine, John 15:1. Jesus is the truth, the betrothed one, John 14:6. Jesus is the way, John 14:6. And finally, Jesus is literally the wisdom of his father. God. He is his wisdom. And any wisdom that I try to muster up on my own is going to produce division by force. It's going to affect my relationship with my husband. So go be arrogant and try to come up with your own wisdom. Try to come up with your own ideas. Don't adopt the identity of your father. Don't, 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 because it's going to end up in a big pile of mess. And it normally takes a full generation for a parent to look at their child and go, wow, did I screw up. Rarely do they pick up on the truth and the reality of God's wisdom when they are a child. Go ahead, wait till your kid's 18. Let's see how that turns out. Because that's mostly the age in which the parents can be turned back to their children and the children can be turned back to their parents. After they realize that their wisdom is mattered not. So where's Jesus now? I know you're expecting this statement. But just try to, particularly those of you who have been a part of the Exchange Live training and teachings for years, just try to sit back right now. Just sit back in your chair and listen. Just listen for a moment. I just went through 186 titles out of 2008 titles. The most profound statements of eternity, the most profound titles of eternity, the most profound names of eternity have been given to Jesus Christ. Then he became them And then he comes and lives inside you? You know what that tells me? That every title and name that God the Father gave and worked at to make sure become functional in his son's life without his son flipping him off, so to speak, and going doing the prodigal thing and saying, I'll do my own wisdom my own way and regret it 20 years later. No, he was obedient at the beginning and he was obedient at the end as a son to receive all these titles and names. And then to say, I'm going to put these in you if you become born again so that you can become so you can share in my titles. If you think preaching the identity message of Jesus Christ, just talking about coming to the end of yourself and discovering the power of the power of Christ, you are really still a kindergartner. The very titles and names of the living God in personhood are living inside your mortal body if you've been born again. you got to see that. All of who he is lives inside the indwelt believer. Christ is truth in the flesh and he became truth in our mortal flesh by converting our bodies into the holy temple. He converted your body into the holy temple. When that earthquake split that temple down the middle and these people are freaking out, which they are to this day because there's not been a temple rebuilt since this day. Ye say, where in the world is the temple of the Holy of Holies? Who is the bearer and creator of all of these titles? They're in you. The temple of the Holy Spirit. For the purpose of forming a perfect dwelling place for the life of Jesus. Christ is the very nature, identity of God. And all the fullness of the titles of the Father's essence is actually inside Him. Now is inside you. He removed our Adamic nature, identity, crucified it, placed his nature identity in its place and began to live out his life in and through his bride. Here's the truth. When my wife starts functioning in a different ministry than the ministry that I've been called to live and breathe out of, spiritual divorce has occurred in our marriage. Her job is to carry out my ministry. My job as a bridal member of Jesus Christ is to carry out Jesus' ministry. So why do we have three or four ministries in one home? Why do we have so many divisive things going on in the church? It's because there's these women meaning Bride of Christ, includes men too, are running around coming up with creative ideas of, of ministry. We have ministry of music, we have ministry of coloring, we have ministry of balloon bro- blowing up, we have ministry of, of cooking, we have ministry of eating, we have ministry, I have heard titles ministry put with things that is almost embarrassing. Truth of the matter is, as bridal members of Jesus Christ, we are to carry out the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I can assure you that ministry is going to look the same in every true Indua all over the entire world. Jesus not only lives in the true born-again Indua believers, but now is the leader of the church, the relationship, his bride. True believers will follow him as he cares for them and directs them in all of their ways. Since apostles are chosen to directly communicate with God, the apostolic movement that is occurring in the world today is a Protestant version of Catholicism. You have to go through the apostle to hear God. Afraid not. But your role as an apostle is very critical To begin the process that people come to you first, yes. The apostles are chosen to directly communicate with God and are authorized to speak for Jesus Christ, the high priest. He, Jesus, is appointed as being a representative of the people by way of the leadership of the church in order to train, equip the saints to have a direct and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you carefully think through the role of an apostle, it is a temporary leadership position to lead the people to have that kind of relationship with Jesus himself. Critical peace. So once in a Jesus becomes our only source of hope. To try to restore this earth is not natural from God. It is natural from the earth. The earth has been cursed. It's going to burn for eternity forever and ever. And if you do not have the indwelling life of Christ, you will burn with it. I promise you. Because the scriptures promise you. His, Jesus' conquest of death gives us confidence in life, now and in our future. Jesus is the way, which Hebrew means pathway to God. Jesus is truth, Hebrew which means what nurtures the covenant. Covenant in the Hebrew is actually a symbol of a cross. And he is the, the life which is the fulfilled covenant. That one statement, listeners, that he made. I am. Which is a stepping out to say I'm about to tell you. Out of 2008, there's probably more. But out of 2008 identity statements... I'm going to give you three to pretty much summarize it. Remember how Jesus would do that a lot? He'd say, Now I know there's ten commandments, but I'm going to give you two. Here's the two greatest. Remember that? Well, the two greatest just happen to require a born again, indwelled experience of Him in order to live out those two. To love thy Lord, thy God, his daddy, which He becomes. You see? And to love your neighbor as yourself brings other people closer so you can introduce them to the first commandment. This is what he's saying. Out of all these identity statements, bottom line is I am the way, pathway, to get to daddy. I am the truth, the betrothed one. You have to come and get engaged to me. I am. The way of the covenant. I'm going to nurture the covenant. In fact, I am the life which is the fulfilled covenant. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Here's our identity statement for today. Jesus came to care for and lead the lost sheep by becoming the sacrifice to pay our debt. Which reconciles us back to the Father and positions us in the life before the fall of Adam. Christ's death is the payment that redeems us from the domain of darkness and literally transfers us to the kingdom of light. His sheep can now know and hear his voice. His sheep can now know and hear his voice. The reason why you can hear his voice is because he's living inside you. Why don't you just try something different this week? Talk to your husband. I'm not saying ignore the name of the Father. Dear Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy King. You see, that prayer was given as a sample to say, the Father has come to dwell among us. Jesus has adopted the role of the Father as well. Just talk to Jesus this week. Because you will be talking to the Father. Don't just close off your prayer to the Father in Jesus' name so you can check the box that it's been sanctified by the Holy Son. Talk to Him. He's your husband. He's your groom. God went through a lot to get Him to live inside you so you could hear His voice. Why not talk to Him? The indwelling life of Jesus is our connection to the source of the New Covenant. Since he is God, he has life in himself and extends his life to all who believe and open their lives for the great exchange. I don't think you could be blessed anymore by studying the names and titles of Jesus Christ. I could not be blessed any more than to discover who God is. Whoever he is, he gave to his son very freely. At a pretty serious price, I might add. And then he said to his son, make that free to anyone who comes through you to get to me. Anyone. Muslim, Imam, Caliph, head of a Mormon bishop group, I don't care who you are, he said anyone who's willing to go through the doorway himself, Jesus Christ, is willing to go, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a spot waiting for you in heaven. But right now, you rebels who have to have your own wisdom, come up with your own illegitimate concepts of salvation, There's a spot waiting for you, in the pit of hell, 602-292-2982, text me, call me, write me. I am willing to dialogue with you, particularly Muslims, I have a great love for Muslims, because you're our cousins, by blood, and open your heart to understanding who the real Jesus is, who the real way, the real truth, and the real life. There might be just a spot waiting for you on Isaac's side. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.